0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live feelessly with Carvana. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds! Why do you move start with that? The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning.
1: Welcome back to Collider Heroes Giant Size. This is number three. I'm Amy Allen, and I'm here with Koi Jandro.
0: I'm Koi Jandro, and I listened to episode two, and I was struck by how different we are on the podcast, so I'm excited to see how that evolves or devolves accordingly. In
1: this tiny private conversation that we're definitely having, because we're great at being used to podcasting together. Headphones go on,
0: and it's like you and I are at the store. Like, this is a very <laughs> different flavor of show, and I, I like I, I enjoyed listening to it. It was just weird listening to myself knowing that it was... My past.
1: Yeah. So here we are. Time travel today on Collider Heroes. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, thank you to everyone who's been reaching out with thoughts good and bad on the new format. Uh, We love that so many of you are following us to this where we have a lot of time to get into everything and where we get to make headlines like the goon movie is happening.
0: Official. And that is our headline because it's giant size. I think uh, I think it's going to happen. It's been rumored forever. I mean, even like Tim Miller was attached to it for a long time.
1: Is he not still?
0: I, but, like, I mean, that, the last iteration. This yeah. sounds like a new iteration.
1: So they, this news comes from essentially an, upsta- an update for Kickstarter backers uh, that uh, had helped to fund the sort of test footage for the goon uh, many – several years ago now um, – There is now some indication uh, via that campaign uh, that Goon is in motion again at 20th century post-merger Fox.
0: Yep. They Uh, they found some money. They found some – I mean Disney money going to this corner of Fox makes sense to me because it shows like a certain accountability. It shows like someone like the script. They know comics are selling. Like it makes a lot of sense. Uh, And you know who was a Kickstarter of the Goon movie for Tim Miller? Mr. John Mm Schnitt. So that makes me really happy that this movie's going to exist because I know how much he'd want it.
1: Yeah. Uh, So The Goon is a wonderful comic book property. Great sense of humor uh, created and usually done by Eric Powell. Uh, You have heard us plug it before. You'll hear us plug it again but it's very interesting to see that happening because as uh, we were talking about last time, Disney just sent out a whole slew of movie dates Mm -hmm. uh, on which Fox movies sort of start disappearing. So I presume that, you know, This is a neat sign because it's like, okay, they are still making new movies that did not exist before or were not in motion before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Where will those land? How will that work? Will we think of them as Fox movies? We don't know the shape of that, but this is a really cool sign of life. And uh, especially since it does have a wicked sense of humor, which is sort of more in line with Fox than what we think of as typical Disney branding, uh, it feels like a really good healthy sign that they're still working on a a large variety of types of projects.
0: To me, this is an indicator of what I thought about the numerous cancellations is that it was just the wrong fingerprints for Disney. They just didn't want something that was half made by someone else that they disagreed with. Even though this is Fox branded and Fox flavored, it's Disney saying what that Fox flavor is. So it's a... for them to put that under a different banner so there's no confusion about like Disney stuff but it's also gonna be completely theirs. The legal ramifications of buying a studio and then having half-finished scripts, like who owns it? Who releases it? Blah, blah, blah. It probably made sense for a lot of those movies just to get scrapped at the cost of so many jobs, which is the horrible part of the merger, which scares the crap out of me. But it does make sense. They'd want to keep Fox moving and make big announcements like this so they can show, like, hey, look, Fox isn't dead. This whole concept of movies isn't over. It's just owned by us, and this is our banner. We want it to be ours from the beginning.
1: And I'm sure that, like, Probably on paper, the legal of this is not that complicated because I'm sure the deals were in place and if you get bought, someone else owns you. Mm-hmm. But the the practical and creative considerations of who works where and with whom and can you plan a bunch of movies and simultaneously move your entire office someplace. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine what these people have been through. Uh, but I'm excited that people will still be making movies. Uh, I hope that – I assume if this weren't – real news on some level I don't think they'd be blasting it out to all of their Kickstarter backers who've been waiting for several years but I will be excited to see like official headline announcements uh, as this project rolls forward and if
0: you haven't seen Love Death and Robots by Tim Miller definitely check it out it is also insane and a very specific tone and something that can only exist right now and he's got this indie coming out called Terminator that I think is going to help him out
1: yeah you- Check out I that.
0: think uh, in 36 hours. Well, by the time this airs, uh, you guys will have seen the trailer. So we'll see about the trailer uh, on Thursday of for the Terminator by Tim Miller. So I'm excited. I'm excited for that guy. He's going to do some stuff.
1: Yeah, he's never done anything you particularly care about. You know, so. he, there's this character he
0: enjoys that I enjoy. His name's Wade Wilson. You might have heard of him. But he's uh, the goon. He uh, yeah, Wade Wilson the goon, not the <laughs> Merc, the goon. <laughs>
1: uh. So yeah. Uh, check out The Goon. There was a free comic book day special crossing it over with a different book called Grumble which is about a cranky pug. It was adorable. Uh, You will probably enjoy it. Uh, Speaking of things you will probably enjoy, we have a new trailer for DC Animated Universe's uh, adaptation of Batman Hush. Coy, what do you think?
0: I have to own something right now. I enjoy theatrical animation because it is a big spectacle, but I so rarely watch animated superhero films.
1: Our audience knows because they know that we keep forgetting to talk about that stuff. Uh, so <laughs> I just want to make sure us. I'm owning it. I'm just uh, allowed
0: owning it because I ranked all the Batman movies because I ranked all the MCU films last week. So this week I ranked all the Batman movies because it felt fair. Uh, and then like I got so many like, have you seen blah, blah, blah? And I was like, I've never heard of Was blah, Mask blah, blah. of the
1: Phantasm in your top three? In
0: top three. Okay, it's number good. three. Just but checking. Mask of the Phantasm made the three and number six was Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. I'm mm. giving credit to the ones of seen it's just i haven't seen under the red hood i haven't seen dark knight rises i haven't seen like so I was you happy. Mean the animated
1: Dark Knight Returns. Don't so, podcast see, listeners, yeah. you know, I've you've seen, seen Dark Knight Rises. <laughs>
0: thank you. D K R flashed in my head, and it came out the yeah. wrong D K R. Thank you. Uh, so I was excited to see this trailer in the timing of. Oh no, I have so much homework. <laughs> so this looks great because it made me realize I have new homework too.
1: And it is, it's, and I love hush. Yeah, they're 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 rolling through like the classics. It's a really interesting time in the animation because I we all loved the like the original storytelling in the DC Animated Universe, and we're now, you know, whatever, eight years into a ten-year cycle of doing all these major adaptations. And it's just a really interesting challenge. They tend to have to compress them a lot. They tend to have to make uh, interesting choices in those. But they've been a lot of fun. And uh, soon everybody gets to join in that mystery.
0: Now, there's only 12 Batman movies uh, in in the the modern day that are are, theatrical that I know of. What would your... So mine was The Dark Knight, number one. Okay. Batman Begins, number two. Mask of the Phantasm, number three. Batman 89 is number four. Batman Returns, number five. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, six. Dark Knight Rises, seven. Lego Batman movie, eight. Mm. Batman Forever, nine. Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition, ten. Batman and Robin, 11. Justice League, 12.
1: Okay, do we count movies that have Batman in them but are not Batman movies?
0: Suicide Squad would have lived before Batman and Robin after Ultimate Edition, if that helps.
1: What about the Lego movie?
0: That was number oh the Lego movie itself. Mm. Ooh, I didn't count that because he was supporting.
1: It's I true. didn't count Suicide Squad. It's Swat not really either. a it Batman helps. movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, I, I considered those the twelve. I'm sure I missed an animated one that it was theatrical, and I'm sorry, but that was where I was at. I
1: am so unwilling to rank. This. <laughs> I've run I out thought... of stalling questions <laughs> because different movies are pursuing different aims, and I guess you you know there's no reason you can't talk about which one's best achieved those aims, which would be like. Dark Knight, Mask of the Phantasm, and the Lego Movie, um, but uh, it's it's so hard to dig in past that because I mean honestly, uh, Batman Returns is an incredible achievement at accomplishing the thing you set out to do. Sure, you know what I mean? Like a, a movie that in, and taught an entire generation about like bold artistic choices in the context of. Iconic characters somehow uniting them in a way that, for all of us, made us think that it was perfectly normal to do these insane, cartoony, heightened takes on things and make it work because your other artistic choices were in concert with it in that particularly beautiful way. And Batman '89,
0: like, erased the Adam West flavor, which was able to live synonymous uh, simultaneously later on. But we thought of Batman, or they thought of Batman, as that Adam West flavor for years. So, and I have a
1: special place in my heart for proof of concept movies, for movies that set out to do something that. Seems impossible and achieves it, which like Batman Begins. Yeah, man, they're that's all why it was fun. Like, I had koi. such a challenge. All so the best
0: Amy's take is number one is one through twelve. <laughs> all are number one.
1: Really, all
0: so I, I wanted to take this opportunity on the long form podcast because we have the time on long form podcast. I did a fan cast for the Batman in honor of Robert Pattinson. Yes, 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 yes. We don't know as of this taping if it's hundred percent, but I've been calling it ninety nine percent. Robert Pattinson is Batman, so I thought of my fan cast of who I want to see in the new Batman universe, and I've got. Joseph Gilgun as the Joker. I think he'd be brilliant. If you haven't seen Preacher, check it out. Andy Serkis as Clayface. I think he would own voice and physicality, and you need that in the actor playing Clayface. I've got This Is Us' own Sterling K. Brown as Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. He plays a lawyer-type very public figure in the show, and I think that would translate to Harvey and his darkness uh, on, in The Predator could totally translate to Two-Face. Plus, I wanted the frickin'... We almost had Lando Calrissian uh, Two-Face once. I really think this is the right move. Bring him back. Uh, and then we got the man was born to play him. We've got Brian Cranston as... Commissioner Gordon. He looks like him. The mustache fits. Let it happen. Uh, Benicio del Toro has always been my Ra's al Ghul. Uh, Benicio del Toro is ageless and also like incredibly charming and handsome, and it seems to be from everywhere. He's a man of the world. <laughs> I want that as Ra's al Ghul. Uh, James McAvoy is the Riddler has been the rumor for a long time. If you haven't seen Glass... Uh, that's yeah. He can kill it. Like I want to see someone outsmart Batman. James McAvoy is brilliant. Uh, I've got Aza from um Baby Driver as my Talia Al Ghul because she really impressed me in one performance, and I think she's got the look of Talia and the energy and the presence. Uh, I've got Karen Gillan as Batwoman. This was uh, a
1: really interesting pick, and you mean Batgirl, but it's I mean a really Batgirl, interesting but I, pick. Yeah, uh, Barbara as Karen. Yeah. Because
0: Karen as we've seen in her work outside of the Marvel universe has more depth than she's one of the best actresses working. Like she's got so much depth. She's fascinating. And she's got a statuesque figure that would be awesome to be like, I'm as intelligent as I am. Awesome looking. And that's Barbara Gordon to me. She's got to be able to carry herself in that way, and to me, that's Karen.
1: Watching her play a scene with Brian Cranston would be uh, right? real rewarding. What? Right?
0: Yeah. Uh, and then I've got uh, Bill Skarsgård as Scarecrow. A little bit of typecasting, but I'm going to accept that. Uh, if you haven't seen It, he is terrifying, so I'm going to go with that Scarecrow. <laughs> uh, Rami Malek as Calendar Man was one of my favorite picks. That was
1: an interesting pick.
0: He has the look of Calendar Man in a way that is so specific to Tim Sale. Like, if you look at Tim Sale's Calendar Man, to me, that's Rami Malek, and he's... He scares the crap out of me, I'm not going to lie. Rami Malek's very talented, but he looks... Very intense. He scares me, and I like that. I want that intensity. And I could also buy Rami Malik being obsessed with dates. Uh, and then I've got Rory McCain, uh, yes, The Hound, as Solomon Grundy, because, like, come on. Uh, and then Bill Nye. Like not the science guy, Bill Nye from Love Actually is my Alfred. I think uh, a sexy older Alfred, a fun older Alfred would be a great take. It's a different take we've had. We've had scary Alfred, we've had charming Alfred. Let's have fun, Alfred.
1: I will watch him do anything. Right, like Love
0: Actually is. uh, It's into it. Uh, Benedict Wong is definitely my Hugo Strange. That man is fascinating. Talking about sandwiches, talking about he's so intelligent that anything he talks about is is great. Uh, Alexandra Daddario looks just like Poison Ivy to me. I think she is so slept on as an actress i think she's like i'm waiting for that one performance but it's like oh she's brilliant i think she's great uh ray winstone as carmine Falcone. uh he always plays the best mobsters and i want to see him play the mobster and my final four uh we have miss oh i forgot how to pronounce her name uh scrolling scrolling oh natalie dormer jeez how did i forget that natalie dormer is Catwoman. that perma smirk that charm that cat likeness she's a cat in life
1: it this was one of those when i i saw your side by side for those images i was like Huh. That just slotted right into place. Uh, Definitely would watch.
0: Yeah, she's right there. Uh, Ben Foster is in all my fan casts because he's (laughs) one of my favorite actors that I want to see in everything. I think he'd make an amazing Mad Hatter. Uh, We've got – now, this one's a tricky one because I see Mr. Freeze as an older actor. Uh, Mr. Freeze was doing this to protect his wife. He's doing it out of family. Ron Cephas Jones is – the right body type. He's got the voice. I could so see him commanding the freeze gun. Uh, Ron Sifis Jones, Mr. Freeze. And this is 100% my This Is Us bias. Chris Sullivan is the penguin. (laughs) Chris Sullivan is just, I want him everywhere. He's going to be the new Ben Foster. You'll hear me cast him and everything. But... On giant size heroes, I wanted to share my absurd fan casting, where I cast twenty people in a Batman
1: movie. Go to Koi's Twitter to see uh, from a couple of days ago now to to see the visuals for this. Well selected, well arranged, it uh, took a hours. compelling case. Koi. <laughs>
0: I spent my oh my god I don't sleep hours on Instagram and Twitter making side by sides. Just it out. to
1: resume our earlier discussion, sleep is important.
0: Sleep. <laughs> That's another theme of the giant size heroes podcast: is Amy being pro sleep and Koi being team no sleep. It's
1: all fun and games until uh, you sleep. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of getting some rest and getting back to it, I guess, uh, <laughs> we're going to try this segue. Uh, we got some interesting an, – uh, an in-depth interview came out this week or it's between this and the last recording with James Gunn on his uh, firing from Disney and his journey back and sort of talking about what that experience was like for him. And I found this a really compelling uh, interview to sort of – because it's something we've all remarked on is that – if there is a right way to handle something like this it seems like he has set that standard um you know he talks about understanding where disney was coming from and why they made the decision they did uh understanding the way it connected to his his own past and his actions and that it was you know, one of the most difficult experiences of his life, but he compared it to, you know, he doesn't re- – had that been the end, he would not have regretted any of the time that he spent there. Um, it's just in general a, a really interesting insight into uh, an experience that is quite difficult to imagine because I've, I've never had a multi-picture deal to suddenly evaporate in front of my eyes in a day based on things that I already knew I regretted doing. Like that's that is a – that is a heck of a day to imagine – Uh, And, uh, yeah, Corey, thoughts? Uh,
0: I loved how maturely he handled it. I thought from the firing to now, he is every quote he said has been poised and eloquent and intelligent. I thought the people rallying around him all did the same. Uh, I was really impressed with his brother's essay. I was really impressed with the Guardians team. So I just, I think this is an opportunity to speak to maturity. Um, If you're upset, Maybe think about stuff before you type it. Maybe take the time to. Your comments are forever, internet. So be that the reason he was fired or the way he handled being hired, use that as a litmus test to before you press send or before you send a YouTube comment, before you send a tweet, before you text your friend think about your choices so he wouldn't have been in this position if he had thought about them differently necessarily and he certainly did learn to think before his comments coming back so I was just I love James Gunn I was very proud of his maturity I was very impressed with the way he's handled everything and I think he's a great example of growing up and I think that um, specifically the nerd space could learn from him about growing up i'm not being subtle learn <laughs> about growing up because I just, i just like i this has been a tricky transition like we're all like youtube's evolving and the internet's evolving and all these things are changing and i hate the fact that i've kind of stopped reading youtube comments because i really enjoyed connecting to people and i really enjoyed reading all my mentions on twitter and i really enjoy that we can reach each other but it's it's getting harder and harder and he's kind of a great example of like if you handle yourself well more connectivity is possible so just uh, there's a line and it's getting crossed more and more often and it's going to be harder and harder to, for us to backtrack from that it
1: is uh, it is a, a whole podcast unto itself about the ways in which this has always been true but it affected different people to different extents uh that that the there's always been this side of things and what makes it more easy or more common uh has changed but uh, I think we're all on Team Don't Be Jerks.
0: Team Don't Be Jerks yeah. all day. We might not agree on sleep, but we agree on being jerks. Uh, um, and I also, his quote about the Suicide Squad was one of my favorite quotes yeah, from that, that interview. Uh, he said, the sui- – um, talking about one of his favorite experiences writing a script, he said, The Suicide Squad sequel, it just instantly started flowing. I don't think I've had much fun writing a script since maybe Dawn of the Dead. That's what this whole movie has been like. I've been excited about the Suicide Squad movie for a long time. But quotes like that from James Gunn who wrote, you know, Guardians 1 and 2. Mm. Dawn of the Dead came before that, guys. So what he's saying is, holy crap, he's loving the script. That little two sentences just has me made of hype.
1: And it is it, it is interesting because, it, you know, we talk about the sort of long journey of James Gunn's firing. And this whole thing has happened in under a year. But <laughs> I bet it felt like the longest year of anyone's life. Uh, so there is that, you know, he acknowledges that he's like on some level – I had reasons to believe I was always going to be fine. He was getting phone calls and support right away. But on – like it does sound like he really made his peace with. He was like, if I'm not, it's because of choices I made. Mm-hmm. And like that – it's so hard not to admire that part of the – like I get how this happened. So
0: so part B is uh, – A is don't be a jerk. B is hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Which is part of not being a jerk. But it's a subsection. <laughs> Very important in the lawyer
1: jargon. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of not being a jerk, which is unfortunately making a great segue to this, uh, I'm just excited. We got a new deleted scene for Captain Marvel this week, uh, a movie that we and, like, millions of people enjoyed. As it turns out, that whole thing was just like, oh, the movie's good. Great. Uh, We got a new deleted scene for Captain Marvel. We've got a list of what's coming when it's almost out on home video. Uh, We're going to have a a few different deleted scenes and some special features. And uh, obviously we're all queuing up the one about the cat first because we have priorities.
0: I watched the live stream. I'll be there for the DVD. It's coming. <laughs> like, I, I just, I'll own my love of that Florkin.
1: It was interesting. This deleted scene was very much a plot one, a, like, making sure you understand all of these elements of the Crease curl setup. What did you think? Did you get a chance to check it out?
0: I, I thought it was really dense and not necessary while feeling necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed with how much they trusted the audience because they cut it. Like, I, I thought it was cool, and it definitely can, like, lead to other directions, but I thought it was, pacing-wise, it, it worked either in or out.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm very curious about it because I I would love to hear from y'all sort of – I think that all of the information in that scene is information that comes through in the movie. But Mm -hmm. I want to like – there has been some where we've talked to people who were like on their second view those threads all made more sense to them and it's sort of like okay well would you have wanted this extra scene where they lay all this out to some kids in a exposition heavy but still very entertaining couple of minutes or were you cool being like nah, you had to pick this up from context and get it the second time
0: like, and we can't unknow comics yeah. so like our biases are there and us inferring things we're is like, there obviously
1: so. the Kriz Girl War
0: right like we can't be like that's a surprise so I can't watch it without those eyes personally so I'm very curious like. If if you guys aren't aren't big on the the comics, let us know.
1: But yeah, and as is usual with Marvel deleted scenes, they tend to be good, but they also tend to be things where you're like, well, you you did a good job deciding what should be in the final cut. You know, you it's, guys made a good move. It's pretty rare that we put those on and we're like, what were you thinking? <laughs> you know,
0: you mean Sony Spider-Man with his parents at the end was a choice they should have kept in? You think Peter Parker's at the gravestones meeting his? Fo- I don't even. I don't even.
1: So, yeah. On to baffling choices. <laughs> All these segues. I just got a, a few plus. It's segway day. I don't know. Uh, this one makes me laugh a little bit. Uh, not that, like, you know, I, please, these these will be the, the the receipts. If I later am like, I have always been the biggest fan of this, you can call me on this. Because I think this is a really interesting choice. Uh, the producer of uh, the Ghost Rider movies has bought the rights to the Atlas Comics Library. Now, just a moment to explain. Uh, the Atlas Comics Library is notable for some books from the 70s and 80s, uh, which are I collected we do I, I relate everything back to the shop. We have people who come in specifically looking for those but they are a relatively niche comic book audience. Uh, Most of these titles, like Wolf with a U, uh, do not have large followings, but they do represent a bunch of sort of untapped stories and possibilities. Um, The name of Atlas will sound familiar to you, uh, both for the right and wrong reasons here, because we are not talking about 1950s Marvel, but we are talking about a company founded by uh, essentially part of the Goodman family, post oh man i made this worse than it needed to be marvel had a couple different (laughs) names in the old days it was timely and then it was atlas and then it was marvel which is why you get things like agents of atlas uh a little bit later on uh i think martin goodman and his son started an offshoot publisher later and they used the name atlas once that was no longer marvel's name so in the 70s and 80s they published a line of comics uh still sought after by a few but not a huge number of collectors uh these are relatively inexpensive buys uh, but they're you know we do have folks who track down this stuff and that library of characters from that independent publisher has now been snapped up and might be getting a line of superhero movies
0: that was that round two is very succinct thanks yeah because Atlas is a weird storied history and there's a lot going on and it <laughs> is a very strange group of characters that never really got to the mainstream in any real way so I'm very curious about this choice because I feel like And this is very negative, but I feel like it was, okay, we've run out of comics to buy. And, like, it just felt like, like, who doesn't own something? I'll take those. Comics are really popular right now. I want that.
1: It is interesting because it's hard not to uh, read into this a certain sense of that. But that is also, of course, you know, it's a nice reminder that the history of independent comics goes back quite a long way. Uh, And it's very interesting to sort of be like, all right, if they make this work, they're going to have to rebuild a lot of this from the ground up. But it would be very interesting because they unfortunately – It I want people to go diving for the deep dives of comics, uh, but this will be an interesting one because there just is not that much sort of name recognition factor with a lot of this stuff.
0: And also full credit to maybe the producer is one of the people that goes and finds those like that. We don't know for a fact. It is my my negative assumption, but because this might be like his favorite niche. So I hope it comes from a place of wanting to make these good. I hope it comes from a place of like quality content. Personally.
1: And we will hope for the best. And uh, please feel free to mockingly play this clip when we are wearing our t shirts that say <laughs> Atlas Universe, I've loved it from day one. This uh,
0: so is maybe my favorite story of the week right here. <laughs>
1: Okay, go on.
0: Keanu, (laughs) he wants to Hellblaze again. Uh, I am a giant Constantine defender. I am a giant Keanu Reeves fan. I am. I am one. I literally movie fought that Keanu Reeves Constantine is the best movie featuring an angel and devil in it. Uh, There's a lot of movies angels and devils, and I said that was the one. Uh, Yeah, movie fights was uh, it was it was Hellboy week. So they were like, "What's the best movie featuring the devil?" And out of all of them in history, I said Constantine because Peter Storm. The Devil is fantastic. Uh,
1: Okay, so full disclosure, I still have not seen that movie.
0: Uh, Viewers at home that can't see my face, it was aghast. Uh, Keanu Reeves is John Constantine in this movie. He is a. He British? He's not at all British. Okay, but he is Keanu Reeves.
1: Okay, Uh,
0: so it's actually that's yeah, that's not fair. He's not John Constantine as much as he is Keanu Reeves in the world of John Constantine. I mean, and that was great. Like the the world building, the mythology, the I know they've got set- Tilda
1: Swinton in there, so I'm kind of on board.
0: Rachel Weisz, Tilda Swinton, like uh, Diamant Hansu, and yet another comic book property. <laughs> like this cast is great. Peter Stormare. Uh, it, the world they build is so lush. It is so intensely comicy, It feels like a graphic novel in so many ways, and it immediately throws you in the world. It doesn't sugarcoat it. You're like, oh, I'm I'm in a graphic novel. Uh, I really thought it was a very bold movie that came out about five years too soon. Like, it was way before we had accepted how deep comics were going to get. It came out in, like, 05. So 14 years ago was not the time to release a graphic novel starring Keanu Reeves, unfortunately, because I think it slept on. Um, and he wants to play that character again, which made me very excited.
1: I loved knowing because this quote came from him doing press around John Wick and sort of someone asking about this and him being like, oh, man, I loved doing that. You know, and it's just nice to have someone rather than being like, why are you bringing up some movie I made 14 years ago? To have someone being like, that was a great experience. I'd love to do it again. You know?
0: Furthering my belief that Keanu Reeves and Tom Hanks are literally the two best people on the planet.
1: Why is there no movie of them hanging out?
0: I would watch a looper film with Keanu Reeves as young Tom Hanks in a second. They look nothing alike, but their souls are the same color. Oh, they're just so good. I love them both. They it. They're the only two people that if I heard someone had done something wrong and it was about them, I'd be like, that's just not true, patently untrue. Like, they're just so pure. Don't
1: set us up for that kind of heartbreak. You're right, you're right. We it's happened before. The- but
0: Becky Reeves, <laughs> <laughs> did you see him on, uh, on on Stephen Colbert's show? I did. That, like, that moment? And, if and- you all
1: haven't seen this, there's a um, being, a much shared clip of him appearing on Stephen Colbert and answering an impossible question perfectly. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't seen that, uh, it, it is a, a beautiful little little piece of his personality. And
0: you know Maude, right? Maude Garrett. Like, Maude from... Our... Oh,
1: I, I, a little bit. Okay, so
0: Ma, Maude uh, interviewed him for John Wick and was like, hey, you're known as, like, the nicest guy in the world, and it's three minutes of Keanu Reeves just shifting uncomfortably about being complimented. He's literally nice about being nice. He okay, was like, that's really oh, that's sweet. too kind. And he's like, no, no, nobody said that. No, no, no. And he literally is just like, "It's the, he's the best.
1: That sounds so adorable. <laughs> I really want to see uh, that new rom-com that he's in. Uh... Always be my maybe. Yes, it looks so good. Okay, that's way off topic. Uh, Two hours
0: on Keanu Reeves next week.
1: (laughs) When they announce more Constantine, I mean, I'd love to see like a him and Matt Reeves multiversal John Constantine adventure. Oh, let's um, combine
0: our rants. I want to see him as the lead of a saga movie. I can see him with the horns.
1: You, you. This gives me (laughs) pause. I'm. Hmm. It's the unfilmable
0: movie, intentionally unfilmable, but theoretically The Matrix should have been unfilmable in 1999. If anyone can get a green light for enough money, it's Keanu Reeves.
1: Keanu is Marco. I mean, he's...
0: I buy him with the guns. There's not a lot of hand-to-hand fighting where I'm at in the comic. So even if he plays it in 10 years, I'm still in.
1: He's, like, he's maybe kind of the wrong age, but Keanu Reeves is always... The right age for everything.
0: Uh, <laughs> he's a bit, uh, yeah, he's like twenty years past, but he's ageless.
1: Keanu is, Reeves as Marco. Uh, you you have struck me dumb with this question. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's a it's an interesting pick. He's got a very different energy to Marco, but he would bring a really interesting version of that.
0: My actual Marco is ten years ago, Joseph Gordon Levitt. That's who I hear.
1: But see, you're you're actually closer with Keanu because I I, I think. While this is a strictly a fantasy universe, uh an Asian or Pacific Islander background actor is sort of closest visually to Marco in the way they present him and Keanu being Hapa. That's mm-hmm. fair. I've always
0: pictured just for levitt as pacific asian but he's not actually it's just like the flavor he brings so that's that's keanu is that's definitely what? like yeah, i just for always had that vibe to me okay even though he doesn't like it, he's not it just always has that energy and sure. keanu reeves is definitely more appropriate uh but keanu reeves for anybody
1: <laughs> keanu reeves is always the right choice uh like they that one Martin family joke meryl streep could play batman and she would be the right choice <laughs> there were just actors like that yes uh okay so we did also learn this week that uh the, okay, well, we maybe learned this next thing. <laughs> Sebastian Stan was at a convention and was asked to talk about upcoming projects, and we got some sort of some maybe insights into, like, the Winter Soldier and Falcon, which mostly consisted of it'll be more of that thing you like with Winter Soldier and Falcon. Uh, but we also, he said something that suggested that possibly the Black Widow movie that is coming could be set after Civil War. Uh, we have long discussed that movie as possibly a prequel, but those discussions have taken place... Uh, you know, not knowing what would happen in Endgame, not knowing what the future of the MCU looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we're all still probably sharing our assumption that it is some kind of prequel, we haven't known exactly how far back. Would it be an origin story? Would it be a lost tale from the middle of things? What would you think if it turns out that it is post-Civil War?
0: I always thought it would be after Winter Soldier because she goes away and goes into hiding. Um, so Civil War, I guess she goes into hiding again. Uh, so I, I mean, she it has to be a prequel, um, I hope it's not super young, um, like, origin story movie because we've had that before. And we've also, like, dabbled in that in Age of Ultron, which didn't go well. So After Civil War would be perfect for me because it, it is the least continuity-based and it's also the most, uh, not exciting, but it, it's the most, like, they can take chances. Like, there's there's a long gap there.
1: It would be an odd time for her to be doing a bunch of stuff that, like, Chris Evans doesn't show up for. Like, if she's really in trouble at that period of time, I would expect her to draw on the Marvel Universe and her close friends and associates in it. Uh, But on the other hand, will I watch it? Yeah, absolutely. See,
0: like, Winter Soldier to me is better because they literally all split ways on purpose. Like, Mm -hmm. Winter Soldier is about, like, we've got to figure it out. Every man for himself, I'm going underground. That was how the movie ended. So I've always put it after Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Like, Civil War is like, we are on these two factions. Why wouldn't she call anyone? (laughs) We'll see. Time will tell.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting. I'm, I'm... Whatever the movie turns out to be, I'm, I'm very, very excited for this solo movie to exist. Uh, and I think Civil War, like, making her a fully developed character in the close to the version that we know is probably also, uh, I think I would enjoy more than a full-on, like, Black Widow Begins prequel. Same. Huh? Uh, speaking of that forward timeline, we got a whole bunch of goodies from Kevin Feige this week. He did a Reddit Ask Me Almost Anything. <laughs> Uh, and he addressed things like the the Marvel that they generally work in a five-year plan. Did you have any favorite things that emerged from these talks? Favorite
0: quote from that was him admitting, and I think not in jest, but I can't read sarcasm font because it doesn't exist, that there is a rant from Michael Pena summarizing ten years of Marvel. They filmed okay. it. It exists. Apparently Why do we have it, there is a Louise cut.
1: Why Why don't we have it in our hands? That is what I need. At this time. Like,
0: Lewis ranting about the Marvel Universe is what Lewis, I... yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. now... So that exists. There's a 10-year... there that They filmed it.
1: I'm very excited. That was my favorite quote from that it on thing. the Blu-ray? Where, 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 I, when
0: where I think it's coming? When they release the Infinity Saga giant 22 movie Infinity Cut. There's okay. got to be so much special features on that thing in order for us to double dip, and I think that's the number one thing you sell.
1: Or is it part of your advertising for Disney Plus? Catch up on the Marvel Universe. Oh, let's see,
0: but Disney Plus is $6. I know. I don't think they need to sell Disney Plus because it's like here. It sells
1: itself. Like, whereas the
0: Infinity Saga is going to be $300 for 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray that Mm. I'm going to have to buy, even though I already own 20 of those movies. (laughs) Like, by the time it comes out, I'll own 21 of 22, and I'll still probably buy it. And I won't be able to afford it, but that cut, I have to.
1: We will live in houses made of DVD box sets. That's fine. They they will replace our Los Angeles expensive (laughs) real estate, uh, but we will just, you know, flimsy cardboard just long boxes. Mhm. Just long <laughs> and boxes. And of box long
0: boxes. You'll is... see me outside a clatter with Saga reading my long box hut watching my Blu-ray with an extension cord <laughs> out from here. <laughs> Sorry, mom, it didn't go well. I had to buy the cut.
1: <laughs> Certain things, look, whatever it takes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some people live in houses, but not us. <laughs>
1: Uh, We also this week just before as we get through this I want to shout out our comic book pull list. Uh, We... Mentioned these briefly on Tuesday's Heroes, but now we have a chance to dig into it a bit more. We've got The Goon, number two, Action Comics, 1011, Black Magic, hardcover, War of the Realms Punisher, number two, and Matador, trade paperback, volume one. Corey, which one of these you want to get into?
0: War of the Realms Punisher is a book that, on paper, why would I buy that? But then you look at the name on that paper, and it's Gary Duggan, and you realize, oh wait, I've always wanted to read Gary Duggan written Punisher. I never thought that'd be a thing, and it's a thing. And it's basically the Punisher, like issue one, he disguises himself as a dark elf and just goes to town on some elves. It's like that Asgard and Punisher shouldn't work, but it works. Like, and only in the War of the Realms can these two worlds clash. You're not going to be watching Netflix and suddenly have Chris Helmsworth, so enjoy it in comic book form. <laughs> this is why comic books need to exist as a separate medium because you get moments like that, and this book is exactly that. It's so much fun.
1: And this, I bumped this off my list because we, like, both of us are just going to pull weird War of the Realms one-shots every <laughs> week so if many. we don't stop ourselves, but I'm going to shout out again that War of the Realms uh, Journey into Mystery is going on and is a crazy, like, baby-protecting road trip adventure full of weirdos, and uh, that is so much, my jam. That
0: team is so much fun, too. Like, the team they assembled and the road trip, it's fantastic. And
1: and part of the point of their team is that they're just like, do these people make sense? I don't know. Is it who we've got? Let's go! Yep, and that's
0: how your road trips really are. (laughs) You plan a road trip with five people, and maybe one of them works out, and you've got another four (laughs) people you didn't expect. That's a road trip.
1: Uh, So, also, I put the goon on this list because there is a brand new issue. It's by Eric Powell. You should check it out to see whether this, like, it's one of those beautiful... Uh, One of the things I love about comics is that it's so easy to have them have a strong voice. Uh, The look of it, the tone of it, the humor of it, uh, there are just certain creators that you're like, I would like to uh, tune in for the flavor of this person and what they bring to the table, and that is Eric Powell all the time. Uh, So dip into the goon, you will laugh. Uh, And it's like it's this weird old timey background and there's monsters and there's a sense of humor but for me whenever i've dipped into the goon like it's not super mean uh you know th- that free comic book day special i remember we were debating on whether we could give it to to like we hadn't had a chance to read it yet and we were like is this one gonna be kid friendly and it was just like it basically is except he totally accidentally murders a guy on like page two accidentally uh, so you know if these things happen uh, but it it is it stays fun because it's so it's cartoonish, but it's also this beautifully. Anyway, now Eric Powell's <laughs> art is amazing, y'all. Uh, and uh,
0: Friend of the show, and I feel so good to say that friend of the show, Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> uh, I just i, I my whole life, you know, since actually since about eleven, I've been wanting to say friend of the show, are Brian we, Michael Bendis.
1: Are we opting him into that? Does, uh, he was
0: very happy he to was, talk comics with us. I
1: mean, he, yes, he seemed happy. He seemed happy. He Bro, retweeted. I accepted when you friend of the show Brian and Bendis. Like,
0: I'm going to say friend of the show. Yeah. Brian, I hope you're okay with it. And our if,
1: best friend, Brian Michael Bendis.
0: Best man at my wedding, Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> Godfather to my unborn child, Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, He's writing Superman, <laughs> and kicking off his giant mystery summer uh, is is Leviathan wraps up with part five in this Action Comics number 1011, and I'm very curious because everything we heard about Leviathan sounded great. Uh, I've been really enjoying Naomi. Uh, you guys know I love cover. I've always loved his stuff at Marvel. I'm digging his stuff at DC, but his stuff at DC has all been leading up to this, so it's really been tricky because a lot of people are mad at his run on Superman, and everything's leading up to this, so I feel like you can't quite quantify what those things are until the mystery is solved. It's it's a mystery, so until you get the landing, it's hard to. So I, if you haven't been enjoying his stuff on Superman, give this a chance. Dive in, see where it lands. I'm excited for this book. Uh,
1: and by the way, I think the cover collection is also out this week. If you want oh. to jump in, I think the collected edition hits this week.
0: Oh, that's a had I know I buy them individually, but now if you didn't because <laughs> they sold out because they're so good, pick it up.
1: Heck yeah. Uh, And pick up the hardcover of Black Magic. This is a supernatural cop drama kind of book, uh, which I love very, very much uh, about a cop who is a cool badass lady and also a witch. Uh, It is by Greg Gucka and Nicola Scott. It is one of the most beautiful approaches to, like, color and world illustration that I've ever seen. I love what they do with this book. Uh, It is available in a beautiful hardcover that collects the whole first arc, uh, and you can get that this week. Black magic with a K. Solid week of books. Uh, And, oh, yeah, the other one. I went into this a bit on the show But uh, this is just my outside um, pull, uh, Matador Trade Paperback Volume 1. This is a story by writer Devin Grayson. Uh, She wrote a ton of the Bat Family books uh, and artist Brian Stelfreeze. And it is like... 14 years old and totally out of print it was a Wildstorm miniseries i have never seen it i have never read it they are two incredible creators uh brian Stelfries, you might know his work from recent runs on black panther but he's also just a legendary artist uh, a giant in the field and this story that has been totally unavailable is just magically available again this week from image <laughs> i had missed that whole announcement where so i just went like wait what what is this book? Uh, they it, they bring you an explosive story pitting Lieutenant Isabel Cardona against a deadly serial killer. Uh, so it's just going to be a cool, action-y cop story with murder and, and crime. And I'm very, very excited to get to dip into, like, what feels like a sort of lost treasure kind of book.
0: Also, Image re-releasing some of their old stuff is a great move. I love how much we get to talk about Image lately because they're killing it just in general. I just... Shout out to Image in general because they were a powerhouse in the 90s. They were a powerhouse in the 2000s and they're now like multi-Eisner. Every Eisner just It's so impressive what they're doing.
1: It's it's really, really beautiful. Uh, If you have... uh, Image has changed a lot over the years but they are making good on the uh, premise of that company in a really fascinating way. So probably this book only exists because someone got the rights back because it was a Wildstorm book. So I'm curious like, hey, if you have the inside scoop on how Matador went from Wildstorm to out of print to Image Comics Volume 1, let us know. <laughs> uh, I will say before we depart the comic book field, uh, we did want to throw in a moment to appreciate uh, somebody that we, uh, the comics community, lost this week. Colorist Justin Ponzer. I don't 100% know Ponsor.
0: Uh I'm not sure. always read it and he's brilliant.
1: Uh Decades of work at Marvel and a bunch of other companies, uh, but on some of Koi's and my very favorite books, he was the color artist and an absolute giant in his field. Uh, There are some beautiful tributes out there online this week from his many, many friends and collaborators. Uh, It sounds like he was a wonderful guy, and he definitely did a lot of the work uh, that has shaped us. Uh, Jim Chung on Instagram was sharing pages from Young Avengers, which is one of my all-time favorite books. But I promise if you have read basically (laughs) anything, especially from Marvel in the last decade and a half, you've read Justin Ponzer, and he has uh, made you happy.
0: I I was saying before we we aired that Steve of my favorite artist of all time, and he makes Steve McNiven pages sing even more, and the way he... Paints worlds and, and uh, the vibrancy of his work is just – it's next level. So Justin Ponser, brilliant.
1: A long time collaborator with Sarah Kelly over on Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, so thank you for all of your wonderful work. Justin Ponser, gone too soon. We do have more exciting stuff happening this week. We got uh, some TV news. We got a new CW schedule for fall, uh, the way they're pairing up all their shows, filling out that Riveter schedule, and news that the crisis crossover is going to be the longest one yet. It is going to be a full five hours, uh, crisis on five hours of Earth. (laughs) Uh, But that will be coming this fall, and it sounds like basically everybody but Black Lightning is involved.
0: So that whole universe we talked about, and we were wondering if Black Lightning would now be part of it. It makes sense that he's not because sure. of the way they've says the universe. Thing. Yeah, and I like that. I, to be honest, it's like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. I like when some shows get their room to breathe. Like, I really appreciate sometimes being like, I can... Thank you, C.W., it's over here. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for a five hour madness, though. Like, I, <laughs> that sounds incredible. How comicy is that going to be? The last one was insane. The yeah. last one was such a comic book come to life. I can't wait to see what, like, almost twice that runtime mm means. Because mm-hmm. the last one was three hours?
1: Uh, that sounds correct to me, but I don't one hundred percent remember. Yeah, I
0: think I just watched it. I don't know if I, I clocked it. But three I think hours. It was three.
1: So this is almost uh, double that. It's
0: insane. <laughs> Give me this show.
1: We know that Batwoman's going to be on Sunday nights with Supergirl. We uh, have Flash and Arrow teaming back up. I think on Tuesdays. For uh, now. For now, and then eventually we know that uh, Legends is coming back in for I think the second half uh, of next year, and uh, yeah, you can go check out that all the TV. The TV TV has a thing called The Upfronts where they talk about their plans for the New Year. So that's why we're getting all these trailers and all these announcements because everybody's laying out the plan. Um, And speaking of the plan, if you had been depending on Netflix for your CW superhero fix, you might have to consider making different plans in the future because the deal that they've had for the last couple years where basically all of the CW shows were landing on Netflix, or at least all the CW superhero ones were, uh, at a certain time, uh, that is not going to be renewed. It doesn't mean nothing will be on Netflix, but we, but they aren't going to have that bulk, everything goes to Netflix on a certain schedule, which just for the last couple of years has been the, the easiest way to catch up on that stuff. So what does that mean? Are they going somewhere else? Is it just going to drive us back to the CW app? I don't know.
0: WarnerMedia app is coming.
1: There's some kind of warner thing in the works. We don't know exactly what it looks like. We don't know when exactly it's happening. We have a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> the the streaming wars are heating up, you guys. It's going to be crazy. They
1: are. But speaking of, as certain things depart Netflix, other things come to them, we got some really interesting news this week about Mark Miller's corner of the Netflix and Imageiverse. Uh, the Magic Order uh, is not only coming to Netflix, but the first episode, I think, is going to be directed... By James Aquaman Wan.
0: And that is huge. So not only are we getting a very comic-y original to Netflix situation, but we're getting it from a powerhouse director. And when you direct a pilot, you're putting your fingerprints on the show. Like mm. David Fincher directing the pilot for House of Cards really shaped what that show became. It also... Uh, I, I'm not 100% on this, but I think if you direct the pilot, you get residuals from every season they're on.
1: Do we know There's, how many of these deals work, though? I've Streaming never been is a, a pilot whole director. New universe.
0: <laughs> right, and, and the, the new media laws and stuff, and that's all to be discussed. We um, like
1: to hope that Olivier Corpel is taking home a big check.
0: Uh, yeah, because it's written at... like the, the, the situation is Netflix owns this corner independently of Image, it seems, because this show in particular is written in a way that it's a Netflix comic book that comes i'm gonna read
1: this sentence in because this is (laughs) Corey and i were talking before we started because it's a really interesting time it is allowing things to be possible that were never possible before but it is also almost bafflingly odd to read a sentence like this here's the magic order which is based on the supernatural drama that uh that you well okay it's actually not here's the sentence the show was created at netflix by mark miller who subsequently turned it into a comic book series illustrated by Olivier Coipel, based on designs by the Netflix team.
0: So it's a Netflix comic.
1: It is. Technically. Published by Image, created by Mark Miller. And it's just a really interesting time because Mark Miller has been a, sort of an example-setting leader in uh, this most modern iteration of independent comics for the last several years and the promise of image comics is that it is creator owned but what that means is that Image, the publisher, does not own the comic. What happens beyond that is up to everybody who works there and who has a book there. So in some cases it means a 50-50 split between the writer and the artist of a book that they do themselves that they have no intention of ever turning into you know, sometimes it just means comics Mm -hmm. that are owned by the creators and sometimes it means you can set up a company, publish through Image, sell that company to Netflix and now it's a Netflix comic uh, that you... Published by Image. Yeah, that you're technically adapting into your own original comics work from yourself uh that's why i'm not a
0: lawyer guys this is why i'm not a lawyer it
1: is a very interesting time i hope and i i I hope and trust that everybody's being sort of benefiting from this cool partnership in Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way and i imagine that to be the case because mark miller is still attracting um some of the greatest artists to work in comics to work with him yeah um So, knock on wood, everybody is benefiting from this cool, bizarre, creative partnership. Um, The designs from the Netflix team might be some rad artists that Mark Miller gets to work with now to bring to life an original story of the Magic Order. So that was the very long version of me being like, (laughs) what an interesting time this is. Yeah, new Uh, media. Make money, everybody. (laughs) But I hope that it is the best possible combination of getting to make cool, creative stuff and having everybody – meaningfully control the work that they're doing together and benefit from it. Uh, anyway, it's a cool supernatural multi-generational drama called The Magic Order and it's coming to Netflix and if you dug them, Real Academy they are investing heavily in this stuff so that they can do more stuff like that um, and we're all fascinated to see what comes next from the Netflix comic book universe. Uh, Next up we got uh, CW is also exploiting unknown corners of things. Uh, They are (laughs) going to do a Deathstroke animated series for their online arm, CW Seed, for their digital arm. This is where the Vixen animated series happened. Uh, Will that lead to other projects? Will it involve the same talent that we've seen for their stuff? We don't know.
0: I, I, to be honest, I was just waiting to say I transitioned into Deathstroke from that. That was my curiosity. Yeah, I just I panicked there. on that one.
1: There was no segue. Was like, Speaking of comic How does she books. go
0: from Magic Order to Deathstroke? Uh, I'm excited for this because I like Deathstroke. I'm excited for this because I think CW Seed's a great opportunity for independent adjacent creators mm-hmm. to make stuff. Because uh, like, I have a friend that's on a show that premiered on CW Seed like three years ago and then CW just picked it up. So she went from having a pilot on the online, and now CW proper is making the show. Really? So yeah, like they they took the show and like moved it over. So Neat. yeah, so they, that's a rare opportunity for a show to go from new media into network. So that's a, that's a really unique thing. Actually, Trevor's on the show, too. Uh, my friend Helen Highfield's on the show that they just moved over to the mainstream. Well, that's um, fascinating. And Trevor was a guest star on it, and now he's on Riverdale, so he's on two CW shows technically, but one was before Riverdale ever happened. And Crazy.
1: CW's making some interesting choices in that regard, because, of course, they've just wrapped up uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but mm-hmm. uh, all that, like, the talent behind that show came from working online, from working without sort of, like, doing their own thing independently and getting building reputations, uh, and then getting scooped up to bring it to an even larger audience so. right like
0: it's a really cool opportunity for people that the show might not have existed like i ship it is the name of the show and it went from being cult following beloved online to uh now a network show so uh, there's a really cool opportunity as actors if you're an actor that you can make stuff and if you find the right audience it can exist so make everything create <laughs> no matter what your genre if you're a comic artist if you're a writer just make stuff because right now the world is looking
1: uh, um, but unfortunately also looking uh, is the tick looking for a new home <laughs> now I'm just trying to kill Coy with the segways oh was so good uh, also looking the tick's looking unfortunately uh so, the tick a beloved independent comics creation that has had several fantastic, very different adaptations over time, created by Ben Edland, whom you might know from uh he's also a television writer who's done like some of the best episodes of angel he's done everything uh but they they had a new lease on life for the tick at Amazon for two seasons uh and for now that will be all mm-hmm. uh, they are actively looking for a new home for that show uh. And it seems like, you know, we're in the streaming wars. Everyone is desperate for content. People are buying the Atlas Library. Surely someone will pick up the tick. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. We don't – anything can happen. Uh, so hopefully you checked that out. You enjoyed it. The the, the stuff that they made isn't going anywhere. Uh, but a salute to the tick. Uh, old school indie comics at their finest. Because it's – and somehow it, it's like he's got kind of a Batman quality where you can do a million versions of the tick. But he always feels like the tick even though the things yeah. you made are very different. Uh, And he keeps speaking to new generations. So hopefully that will continue. Uh, It is sad to see, like, our, you know, to all the folks who worked very hard on this particular adaptation, I hope it's not the end. uh, But a salute to what you accomplished. You got two more seasons of The Tick out into the world. You've added a new chunk to that legacy. And we thank you. Yeah. And speaking of new beginnings... (laughs) Uh, And independent comics, actually. This Mm. was a really interesting announcement to me. Sci-Fi has ordered a new series from a comics publisher uh, you may or may not have heard of. We shouted out one of their books, Heathen, a good bit, a a ways back. They are called Vault Comics, and they have a book called Vagrant Queen, which is coming to Sci-Fi. It uh, was written by Magdalene Visaggio, who is sort of blown up in comics. uh, She's been working super hard at several companies and has a bunch of series that I've She's just got like, she tends to write a lot of things with a vibe that's very Amy, where I'm just like, hmm, <laughs> yes, bounty hunters. Interesting. Go on. Uh, so it's going to be 10 episodes adapting Volcomics' Vagrant Queen in 2020. Uh, they have Adrienne Ray uh, in the lead role of Alita, with Tim Rosen playing Isaac and Paul de taking on the role of the evil commander Lazaro. Very sorry if I butchered your name on that. Uh, and Jem Garrard uh, will act as creator and showrunner. Um, the book was by Magdalene Visaggio and Jason Smith, sci fi series focusing on Alita as a galactic savior. Uh, but I'm sure there will be a twist to it because Magdalene Visaggio does not do anything without a cool twist.
0: Now, there's only one new story left, and I don't know what the tangent's going to be, but it's one of my favorite. Like so, we write the docs, and this is this, the spelling error here made me laugh out loud. And it's very, it's very simple, but it's very funny. It's one letter, but it made me laugh out loud. too, so
1: it's not a spelling error. Oh, it's, it's my he's swampy. Oh, you call him swampy? Yes, yeah, swampy. Oh, I was literally
0: like, who's swampy? Oh, <laughs> like I didn't know what the news story was because I pictured like a little like woodland creature. Like I didn't think this was swampy, yep. so I was like, what's swampy? <laughs> So, Amy no, wrote down. Me new... and my
1: buddy, Swampy, my friend. Uh... I got this
0: email that said new Swampy trailer. I'm like, who was the first Swamp? I pictured like a <laughs> Funko Pop. Like I didn't know, so I enjoyed this very much.
1: Now, now you have convinced me that I, I desperately want like the Muppet Babies version. That's of what Swamp I picture, Day, which is Swampy having it, Swampy and Abby having adventures down in Louisiana, stopping crying. He's like a friend of
0: animal. Like I totally see like Swampy being like the more Jim Henson. Animal.
1: Get at us. <laughs> uh, we need this to happen. Uh, yeah, I just, there's a new trailer for Swamp Thing. We're almost to that show being out. I am so excited. Y'all know I love Swamp Thing. Uh, I love the inspiration they're using for this. We are hoping that the season is going to be amazing. Obviously, folks are concerned because they cut the series order. Uh, but these trailers look like they are playing into a lot of the stuff that Swamp Thing does so well, like the, the bizarre Bayou romance of it all, (laughs) which is definitely in the DNA of the comics in a really important way, um... Yeah, so, so very, very excited. This show is almost here. I have kind of stopped doing a deep dive into the contents of these things because I already know I'm going to watch it. Uh, but we're counting down the minutes. And yeah, new Swampy.
0: New Swampy. <laughs>
1: I, I hope to confuse Coi with many more story descriptions. You'll hear
0: it here on Giant Size Heroes.
1: Who's Swampy? Uh, Yeah, and uh, as always, my, my reading recommendation uh, I, is a split one because I am very, very fond of the original Swamp Thing comics by Lynn Wein and Bernie Wrightson. They are masterful classic horror storytelling. They're from the 1970s. Um, You can keep reading after those two are not the primary creators. I'm not going to talk you out of it, but it's not the most important. Uh, Those two, and then 10 years later, uh, the reinterpretation helmed by Alan Moore with Stephen Bissett and John Totalman uh, and their collaborators and uh, baby editor Karen Berger, uh, that though... That second golden age of Swamp Swamp Thing, Saga of the Swamp Thing by Ellen Moore. Uh, That's what you want to look at. That's what has inspired these people doing this adaptation, which I hope will be wonderful.
0: Should we get some Twitter questions?
1: We should. Thank you so much, as always, to everyone who is sending us your questions with hashtag Collider Heroes. We're gonna start out with Dan Nickel at DNickel5. I just listened to this week's Giant Size episode, and now I'm highly considering getting started on Saga. Yeah. Because of yours and enthusiamy high recommendation. Love Collider Heroes so much. Thank you.
0: So many people tweeted me this week they're reading Saga. Like yes! I, I, I'd say like a dozen. Yes! A dozen new saga. And I thought I was the last one to not read it. I thought I was like the last graphic novel person on the the planet because of how acclaimed no no we're making new saga fans and that makes me so proud always tweet me about saga I'm loving it just not spoilers because I'm new it's so good I'm an issue oh, I 18. Hope no I hope no one's – So far it's great. OK. And I'm Good. I'm literally reading only six issues a week, so I'm d- done in no time. I'm trying to make this last the nine weeks it can last. Not going to happen. Soon
1: you will join us in hiatus. Yes. Uh, hiatus is coming. Hiatus is coming. <laughs> uh, it will all be worth it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just to repeat, I'm so excited that you're reading it. I'm so excited that people are discovering it. I've learned at the shop that when you think everyone has read Saga, that's just not true. Like <sighs> – In the comic book world, it is huge, but we we still have this mission of getting, like, every person on the planet who is... Uh, old enough to read it, to read it. Uh, and I am very excited that it keeps rewarding people's investment and, uh, yeah.
0: They just landed at a destination they were going to and we met an important character, which is very vague on purpose, but Lion Cat is, I gotta get a Lion Cat shirt. Like, Lion Cat is my jam.
1: Uh, yeah, next time we come in, I will bring my uh, plush stuffed goose figure. Oh, yes. Uh, my Lion Cat shirt. Uh, y'all, I, I the might The stock a... is
0: so awesome and intense. Yeah, it's, it's so good.
1: I have a merch problem and... Uh, <laughs> You, you need to catch up so you can read the single issue, so You can read the letters columns, which are bonkers. Mm. Uh, so, thank you. That was not a question, but I pulled it because it made be me <laughs> excited. Sorry. <laughs> if you tweet me about you reading comics, there's a good chance I'm gonna put it in the rundown. <laughs> uh, Jocelyn at Bedwolf Bay ten, nice name there. Uh, so, crazy theory for you and Akoi Gendro: the Black Widow prequel be not of our Natasha, but an alternate universe Natasha. Thoughts? This is uh, a koi level. This is right wild in my multiverse. Theory.
0: Now, okay. First of all, I got so much hate for my multiverse theory in Endgame. I got a lot of guff, and you then did? As, and as soon as the Endgame wasn't a multiverse. Spoiler alert for the biggest selling movie soon ever. uh... I got like a bunch of people, like, yeah, yeah, I told you so. This is exhibit A of that earlier conversation about being a good person online because now, ya boy, it looks like Far From Home as a multiverse. (laughs) So I could be that guy that was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was off by a movie. (laughs) With my insane comic theory that shouldn't exist. But it's also not like you told does. everyone
1: else that they were dumb for not no. thinking that.
0: And, like, I was just going, like, wouldn't that be nuts? And now I might get to have that experience because it looks like, unless Mysterio is lying as a liar, we will get some semblance of a multiverse.
1: And this would be dope. I do. I, I think it's a really cool theory. I th- find that probably it would not be super satisfying if our primary – like my, my main objection to doing this as a theory would be that we've spent so much time with our Black Widow that when we finally get a movie with her, there would be some level of disappointment if it turns out to be like, and she's mind-wiped, and <laughs> yeah. she's a clone. It's, it's a problem they're going to have to face as they reintegrate Gamora in some level into Guardians to be like – is it going to feel as good not knowing that it if it, it you know we don't know what they're going to do but if it turns out that like time Displays Gamora it ends up being the main Gamora yeah. and, end game spoilers very sorry if that ends up being what we go forward with they have to deal with the fact that like we will have that oh but we spent time with this other person this other version now Would I watch Scarlett Johansson playing, like, three different versions of Black Widow from different dimensions, interacting with each other and or getting each other in trouble? (laughs) Yes! Yes, I would. In a heartbeat. So, yeah, I would say alternate Black Widow sounds great to me as long as regular Black Widow's also in the plot. Um, But I just thought this was a cool out-there theory. Thank you, Jocelyn, for sending that in.
0: The fact that we're living in a time where even mentioning the multiverse as a film option, yes, (laughs) we've gone that sweaty in society, guys. Congratulations.
1: And uh, finally, our sweaty question of the week. This is going to be one of those, uh, like talking about wonderful colors, where I'm sending you to the internet for this. But uh, Fatal Creations at Colt Badoo. Uh, Bado? Badoo? Bado. Badoo.
0: Badoo. Colt Badoo. Bado. Colt Bado. he, he was our uh, social media guy at Marvel Movie News. Colt Badoo good people.
1: It's yeah. wonderful. Um, I picked his tweet this week because it was one of several that we got in honor of a certain birthday. Happy birthday at John Schnepp, King Sweaty, uh, with some hashtags there and a beautiful illustration of John. Um, so just thank you to everybody who sent those tweets. That was really sweet. Koi, I loved your birthday tribute. Uh, but, uh, yeah, go find at Cold on Twitter to see a beautiful piece of art of our – very excited friend, John, whose birthday would have been this past week.
0: Yes, and go watch Avengers Endgame. <laughs> John, uh, that was the first thing I did. I, 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 it's three hours, that movie. Uh, so it's hard to put in a day without planning for it. So since uh, since the, the release date was announced, um, when they moved it from October 29th, I the only... Long story, emotionally tricky. Uh, the only tickets I pre-bought, too, since I knew i had press screenings were the one on John's birthday. So, like, I knew that was the day I was seeing it after the press screenings because that was the day I needed to see it. So I went on John's birthday and saw Endgame with that in mind. Uh, and it was really hard, but it was really important. So uh, if you're looking at revisiting it, maybe uh, have John sitting next to you.
1: There were a couple of tweets about that too. Um, You meant April, not October, right? I didn't get totally confused. Oh, did I say October? It's all good.
0: Emotions. They cloud my brain. (laughs) When this movie came out in October, it's November, right? (laughs) Merry Christmas, Amy Dolan. It's our holiday special.
1: Absolutely. This has been the Heroes Holiday Special. Uh, You have tuned in. You know, it's a podcast. You could be listening to this in December. We don't know. Man,
0: what did you think of that episode nine? It was crazy, right?
1: (laughs) Let's have infinite detailed Star Wars arguments right now here <laughs> on this December issue of giant size heroes. Uh, please When
0: please- Han came back as Chewy, I was so surprised. When they took off the, the Wolf. And they turned out to be alternate universe Black Widow. It was, it was, yeah, it was so a weird. Choice. Disney really does own everything. And they're being very scandalous with these choices.
1: <laughs> but hey, everything's on the table now. Merry Christmas to us. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please keep sending us your questions. Uh, we're having a great time doing this extended version of the podcast. Uh, tell us what you're most excited for or what you wish we were covering that didn't make it onto my uh, giant weird segue <laughs> list this week. Uh, and uh, please keep tweeting me what you're reading, and I will keep putting it in the questions, even if it's not a question. And
0: just think, the more varied the stories, the harder the tangents for Amy and I. <laughs> so that is your challenge, Internet. Find the weirdest stuff, and we'll try to cover it for you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And until then, stay stay sweaty.
0: sweaty. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's right now. Get a cafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on & Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets. And there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year. And you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com today. See site for details.